Well, from our home to yours, welcome. Actually, it's not my home, but it is Scott and Stephanie's home. And uh, we are at their studio for Sweeney and Sons here in their basement. And it is just beautiful. These surroundings, it, uh, it's just great. We're just so blessed to have Scott and Stephanie in our church and how they're serving us as a community. And so it blesses us tremendously. But we also have many others that are here working with us. Lucas, their son, is on the camera. And James is uh, on one camera. And we have Josh Reap back in the back. And he's helping run audio. And these guys are just serving us so well. And I got to say, they're making us look good. Uh, Probably sound real good, too. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, It's a little bit different to try to speak to you Uh, with just a camera. I do have a few people here, so it's nice to have their audience response, and I might even have an uh, an amen or something from them. That'd be great. Amen. Good. We got an amen. I like it. So we're here because you're there and we're here, but Jesus is with us all. And the good thing is that where two or three are gathered, and it doesn't matter whether it's digitally or if it's in person, Jesus is with us. In fact, I have a feeling that if I asked many of you to text me right now, my phone would start going off. No, don't do that. Well, there they go. It already starts. But the point is, is that we stay connected even through this medium. And so I'm blessed that we get the chance to do that. Listen, this morning, uh, doing a live stream is a little bit challenging. Um, I, was, uh, I was looking at my Twitter And I saw this one Anglican pastor in Great Britain who was trying to do his live stream sermon. And he had just a small camera. And it was so small that he had candles lit on the table. And he had to lean in in order to be seen on the camera. And he lit himself on fire. So it was like Pentecost all over again. And uh, actually not quite. Uh, Don't know that he was speaking in tongues. Maybe he was. Uh, But it's a little bit challenging to do that sort of thing. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Andy Conley sent me this tweet uh, this last week, actually just yesterday. She said, uh, the guy said, pray for pastors as they attempt to make this Sunday's live stream not look like a bin Laden capture video. Um, I trust that we don't do that. That would be uh, that would be bad. But we're going to try to do everything we can to do a better job. And I know that these guys and what we're trying to do is designed to help us stay connected. It's, it's with the attempt that we would look out for each other, that we would be intentional and generous and caring towards each other and, and our friends and our neighbors and the people that are around us. While we're social distancing, our relational intensity needs to be growing. And that, that's possible. We actually can be more intentional if we just do something with that intentionality. I was reminded of this by Will Duke, who said to me this week, he said, you know, so oftentimes I think of someone during the week and I think, yeah, I want to see how they're doing, but that's okay. I'll just see them at church on Sunday. Well, we won't have that chance for a while. So that's a really good reminder to just pick up your phone and call them or to send them a text or to do something, maybe drive by and do something, stick your head out the window and holler at them. Or maybe send carrier pigeons. Or I hear there's a new app. There's a new app called Marco Polo. Apparently, you can get it on your phone. You can video something. Your friends can respond by videoing back. I just sat my home, on my home and said Marco, and nobody answered me. But uh, you can get it on your phone. The point is, is that we can use this technology to stay together as a family. 
And this is going to prove our reality. Something that I'm famous for saying is that, is that we don't go to church. We are the church. The, the church is not a building that we go into. The church is what we are. So that's what we want you to do. We want you to be church. In fact, what I want you to do is to take your phone right now and take a picture of where you are. Now, I hope that you didn't wear your pajamas to church. Um, I mean, if you did, that's okay. So just take a picture of where you are and on your favorite social media platform, I want you to post it. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something like this. You see one of our home groups, the Sweeney Home Group and Conley Home Group met this last week. They did it by Zoom and they took a picture and hashtag Let's Be Church. So hashtag it Let's Be Church, no apostrophe. Also put some other hashtags in there like Love Your City or CLC Gwinnett. Let us know how you're being the church in these days. Here's another example. During our walkthrough at Sarah Court Apartment yesterday, Rocky and Nina staying a, a safe distance from the students, the kids, but they took a picture and hashtag Let's Be Church. Here's the youth team last night as they were preparing to record their youth group meeting on YouTube and then send it out to all the kids at Sarah Court, Velocity at Burkmore High School and Middle School and also our own youth group for our church. So we have the chance to be intentional and to be the church. So this uh, coronavirus, right? Um, Never seen anything like it, have we? It's just kind of intense. Um, I'm not always sure what I think about it. And they go the full gamut of, of, of different thinkings. From one moment, I think I am totally bewildered to another moment where I think I, I know everything about it. Um, my wife reminds me that no matter how many Dr. Fauci interviews that I watch on TV, I am still not an expert. You probably aren't either. The other night I was showing off my prowess uh, to my family about uh, my COVID-19 uh, prowess and knowledge. And so I informed all of them that I had heard that some governors had recently decided to sanctuary in home their citizens of their state, to which my wife said to me, uh, actually, sweetie, it's shelter in place. So I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Don't even know the right words, though I did get some people that told me that's just potato, potato, sanctuary, shelter, very similar. But we're not going to be experts about this. I'm not going to be. I'm not called to be. I'm not called to be a scientist or a politician or a pundit. But I am called, and so are you, to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, every single follower of Christ is called to be his representative. When you follow Jesus, you become his minister. You become his representative that plays a vital role in the world today. He's called us, each follower of his, to be light in the midst of darkness and to be a preserving presence in the midst of decay, to reflect his goodness and his glory to our neighbors and to our friends and to our virtual workmates and classmates that we're Skyping with or Zooming with right now. We're called to serve God's purpose. Even now, in this kind of situation, we're called to serve God's purpose in our own generation. And as to this deadly virus and the, and the crazy upheaval that it has caused us to face, I just want to say to us, who knows? This could be the church's finest hour. The church's finest hour, at least in my lifetime, 
There have been many other fine hours the church has faced, but this, this could be ours. So with that in mind, it makes me think of this scripture out of Philippians 4, verse 4. And if you have your device or your Bible, I would encourage you to turn with me. Go ahead and participate as much as you can. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's like one time to say rejoice wasn't enough. He's going to remind us because we're going to need to be reminded to rejoice. And then he said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, that word reasonableness is such a great word. It's actually, it means gentleness. Be, be gentle and be reasonable with people. So it's like the Lord is giving us instructions on how to live in this day. First, rejoice. Second, be gentle and reasonable with everyone. Then he said, the Lord is at hand and do not be anxious about anything. Now, there's another great command. Don't be anxious. So rejoice. Be reasonable. Don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer. There's a fourth command. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's how we're to come to the Lord. First, we rejoice. We're reasonable with everyone else. We're not going to be anxious about what we're facing, but in everything we face, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what's going to happen when we follow that pattern to the Lord. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which makes no sense to us otherwise, but God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that we have from Scripture. That's the promise that God gives to us. So I say of, of all of this because I say it to us because we have a tendency to let life pass us by. We have a tendency to, to almost be victims of our circumstances. But I want to remind us of what we've received in Christ Jesus, exactly what he gave to us as his followers, and that he has purpose for us while we are here on planet Earth. This is, these are some of the things that God has given us. Jesus said he gave us abundant life, life to the fullest. So that kind of abundant life has produced promises in us. And then he also said, if you will remain in me or abide in me, I will remain in you. And it's in that place of abiding that we find ourselves fruitful and productive. We can even thrive, not because of circumstances going on around us, but because we abide in him and he abides in us. And therefore, we find ourselves productive. We're also declared to be heirs to the Father. Now, that's powerful. I don't even have time to talk, talk about that. But when you're an heir, that means you get an inheritance. That means you get what the person you're an heir to has. Think about that. Everything the Father has is our inheritance. Everything. We are heirs to the Father. And then to really just make it even doubly blessed. We are joint heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ. And then God gives this command. He says, you're not the tail, you're the head. You're not going to be down, you're going to be up. As you obey and follow me, you're going to be on top of things. And then it says that we are His handiwork, that we are His craftsmanship. 
He is a good worker and he creates in us things that we're to do that he's prepared for us to do in Christ. And through all of life, we're to be more than conquerors through him who loves us. These are the these are the promises of God. And they didn't get canceled when school got canceled. They didn't, they didn't have to go home when we had to go home from work. They didn't get put on the shelf when we were caused, when we had to go back into homes to do work. We've received the Spirit of God, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And, and here's this greatest promise. We are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's still true. It hasn't changed. And he has called us to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. So here's what I'm trying to say to us. In this critical hour, we are not sidelined. We are not pushed off to the side. We're not forced into a place of non-influence. We are not victims of our circumstance with no one to love or with nothing to say or with no hope to give. We as the church of Jesus Christ, we were made for this hour. This is the hour we were made for. That's why Paul would say it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now look at that there for a minute. Christ did the reconciling and then gave us a job to do also. He gave to us this ministry that motivated him to reconcile the world to himself. That's what verse 19 says. That is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Do you see how connected we are with God's plan for redemption? He wants to reconcile people to himself, and he gives us a job, a ministry of reconciliation. He entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Think about the power of that statement. We don't just have a job on the field. A field We're actually his ambassadors for this day. Right here, what we face. We are his ambassadors, and we are made to the people that are all around us. So we implore you. This is what our message is to the world and to our neighbors and to our schoolmates and to our workers that we work with. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It seems like this to me. We have a job to do. We have a job, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, 
We have a job to do. The question is, will we do it? And how will we do it? It reminds me of the story of Esther. Or her Jewish name was Hadassah. And um, Esther was, uh, had, a, had a cousin, an older cousin, Mordecai, who actually took her as his own daughter when her parents died. And her Jewish ancestry was kept secret, and she was taken by the Persian king uh, to be his queen. And the king had, had been lured into ordering the death and destruction of all Israel, all of Jewish people that were under his rule. And he was, he was tricked into this, really, by an evil official named Haman. Haman was an evil, vindictive, petty man, and primarily he was out to get Mordecai, and therefore he wanted the slaughter of all Jewish people, just simply because Mordecai would not bow down and pay homage to Haman. Now, it's a fascinating story. I really encourage, if you're not familiar with it, to go read it because the tables get turned eventually. But here's the point. Haman schemes lies and even bribery to the king to get him to concoct this plan of obliterating, of wiping out all the Jews in the Persian Empire, the annihilation of the Jewish people. And it caused complete panic among Jewish people there in the capital city and all around the region. They were exiles now, and now the king was causing them to be killed. Well, Mordecai was obviously grieving, and he, he decided to take off his clothes and to cover himself with sackcloth and ashes, which was a very a public grieving, mourning thing for any Jewish man to do. And he went out into the midst of the city, and he began to wail this bitter, this bitter and loud cry. Well... It kind of got people's attention, and the word got back to uh, Queen Esther, and she was troubled. She obviously loves Mordecai. What is wrong? She sends new clothes to him. Here, put on clean clothes. You'll be okay. She sends to a, ser- a servant to him and says, here, get up. It'll be all right. It'll be all right, and he will have none of it. He doesn't want anything to do. What he does is he sends back. He sends back this edict, a copy of it. Now, they didn't have copy machines back then. So I'm thinking, this is like an original that got hand-scripted by one of the scribes of the king and it's been posted somewhere. And Mordecai grabs that, that, that edict, that kind of like one of these things here, what we're supposed to do right now. And he, and, he, and he sends it back in to Esther. He says, this is what's going on. And you are in a position to do something about it. But she's just neutralized into inactivity. She's panicked because not anyone, not, no one can go before the king, not even the queen, unless they are summoned. And if they do and he were to not lay out his golden scepter, that person would be killed, including Queen Esther. And she had not been summoned in 30 days. And this is what Mordecai sent word back to Esther. Then Mordecai said to them, or said to them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come, not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, 
and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And Mordecai did all that Esther ordered him. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That verse has just been going off in my spirit all week long. It, it, what if people in this generation we have been made for such a time as this? What if everything that we've been living for potentially was for this hour, was for this day? We, we tend to run and hide and be scared, but is it possible that God actually wants us to turn around and run the other direction? I'm, I'm not here to promote imprudence. I'm not here to endorse foolish behavior. I have these ideas and these rules, this 15 days to slow the spread, and, and I'm doing everything that I can, and my family is, and now we're encouraging all of you to do the same. And like I shared last week, we must be wise and we must take precautions and we, we must uh, not do things that are against the guidelines. I'm washing my hands. I'm social distancing. I'm not meeting in groups larger than 10. Um, we're not meeting more than 10 right here doing this. Actually, we have 11. Don't rat us out, okay? So... We sent the other person upstairs just to get them out of the room. But we're doing all that we can to abide by the guidelines. And we're trying to do our part to flatten the curve. And it is scary. It really is. But wouldn't it be tragic if out of fear and self-preservation, we neglected the purpose of God? Only to have God's relief and deliverance arise from some other place. Because his relief and deliverance will come from somewhere. It will come from somebody. Will we be a part of that relief? Will we be the messenger of deliverance? His appeal to be reconciled to God, will it come from us? Because that's what he's commissioned us to do in 2 Corinthians 5. Or will it have to come from another? We are the ones called of God to proclaim His excellencies who called us out of darkness and brought us into His marvelous light. You might ask just this simple question. What is it exactly that you want us to do, Chris? What is it you want us to do? I'm not encouraging foolish behavior. In fact, I'm encouraging the opposite. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Ask the Lord what he would have you do. It's that simple. What would God lead you into? What would God have you do that's outside of your comfort level, not being foolish, but certainly being obedient to him? Because it might require intentionality and focus and it might require you to get outside of your comfort zone just to go do something that you've never done before. Is it worth it? Maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's big enough. He's strong enough. 
He loves you enough. He loves me enough. He loves us that much to direct our steps, to order our steps, to give us creativity and innovation, to do the will of God, even in a way that's prudent and wise. If we will stay in step with the Spirit, like Paul told the Galatians, if we will actually stay in step with Him, live in Him, walk in Him, we'll be surprised at what opportunities He puts before us, creative ideas that He gives to us to engage relationally with people and still keep them safe. It would be a great thing that comes out of this if our relationships with one another and with our neighbors across the fence six feet away and with our coworkers that we're seeing on a screen Monday through Friday, if somehow in all of those relationships they were stronger, they were deeper, they were more meaningful, and they brought the excellencies of God to bear so that they too could see that God has called us out of darkness into light. Who knows? Maybe we have come to this neighborhood to this work, virtual workplace, to this virtual classroom, to this circle of friends for such a time as this. Let's pray. Father, even as we are called upon, as Jamie mentioned earlier, to go lower, that you might be lifted higher. Even as we want to humble ourselves before you and turn from our own self-centeredness and our own wicked ways and our own self-orientation. As we want to do those things and look for your glory to be revealed, we also don't want to miss what you're asking of us in this hour. You left us here for a reason. We live where we live for a reason, next door to the people that we live next door to for a reason. We work with the people that we work with for a reason. And those that we go to school with, it's for a reason. Your purpose is involved in all of those, those things that are in our lives that seem happenstance or random. They're not any of that. They are purposeful. So would you help us see that we have come to your kingdom for such a time as this? I pray for our people as a spiritual family and anyone who's listening, if they are anxious or fearful, if they are afraid, if they're sick, we ask that the hand of God would touch them right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken their mortal bodies, would quicken their emotional stability, would quicken their hearts towards loving and serving you even more fully. Lord, do a work in us that we might be used of God to display your good news and kingdom. I pray, Lord, for everyone that we touch this week, give us creativity in how we do that. And help us, Lord, to do better than we've done before. Help us to not waste this chance in our social isolation. Help us be intentional to build our relationships. And I pray that you would be pleased with everything we do in this hour, in this day. We ask that your spirit would be poured out upon all flesh for the nations around the world that men and women and young people and children would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ 
and see your glory revealed. I pray a blessing upon our church community, where they are right now, in their homes, with their children and families. Lord, bless them where they are. Make them, oh God, more sensitive to you and the work of God in their, in their moments today and throughout this week. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us be the church. Let's be church. Help us do that, Lord, and to encourage one another in the journey. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.